Razorback football has a long history of some great running backs that have come through this school, but this upcoming season may be one of the best running back rooms that they've had in a long time. We're going to break down all the running backs on the Razorback football team, as well as get into some other practice, fall camp updates, and head you right into a wonderful Tuesday here on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Tuesday as uh, we are just a mere 11 days, Kobe Hamilton days away from Razorback football starting up against Cincinnati. And as we get closer and closer, we start revving up the excitement and the hype train. And I can't wait to actually start talking about games instead of talking about this, that, and the other of what could or could not be. I know, uh, you know, I enjoy it. I know some of you enjoy it. And there's some people like friends of mine that uh, anytime that I ever mention anything positive, they're just like, this is stupid. You're, you're just, uh, you're just making it worse. I'm like, no, I'm just, like, this is what fall camp's all about, is it's about excitement and hype. I mean, it, no one's going in. You can't see all the practices, so no one can go in there and just be like, yeah, this really looks like crap. Can't do it that way, so you got to have fun with it while you can. And if for those of you who may hate that type of thing, get ready, because I'm probably going to do it once again today when we discuss the running backs for, for Arkansas. Because, I listen, I know that this is a position that – isn't as glamorous as it once was. I mean, there was a time where running backs were looked upon as being just as important, or in some cases, the stars of the team more often than not were the running backs instead of the quarterbacks. I don't know if this was more just an Arkansas thing or whatnot, but if you think about um, some of the times where you had uh, some, you know, some really great running backs, those are very historic times. I remember when I was a kid growing up, in fact, you know, if you ever played the NCAA football game and you could create a player, you know, to uh, uh, to to be in the game, I would never do quarterback. I'd always do running back. You know, it's just, I don't know, yeah, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the crazy one, but it just feels like it's not a position that has been looked at in the same way as what it was 15, 20 years ago. But either way, still obviously a very important position, a position that Arkansas actually has a long history in. I would even make the argument that if you're putting together some of the position groups that Arkansas has had the best players in. I don't think, I think it's running back and not really anything else that's close. It's not wide receiver. Uh, tight end, I think you could actually, no, I say it's not close. Tight end, you could make an argument for. Tight end for sure. In fact, tight end maybe more, but that's been more recently, you know, because it's just uh, the tight end position has evolved. So, you know, you could throw that into the mix too. But running back's always been things that where it's like, sometimes you even forget guys. Like the other day, I thought, I forgot about Raleigh Williams. Like, that guy was a 1,000-yard rusher. He was really good. He battled injury and had some injuries that sidelined him uh, from football basically permanently. But I'm like, that guy was really good. Um, you know, Michael Smith was a really good running back. Dennis Johnson was a really good running back. Obviously, Nile Davis was a really good running back that Arkansas had. Alex Collins, Jonathan Williams. I even thought Corliss Marshall was good if he could have just stayed out of the – stay out of trouble there. Like, Arkansas's had some really good running backs. But if you think about – you know, over the past few years, you didn't really have a whole lot. Uh, Rakeem Boyd had all the talent in the world, but just for his own reasons, I guess, it just never, he never was able to see the field. 
uh, as much, at least in that final year that he was at Arkansas. Uh, it seemed like he had all the upside, but just couldn't get on the field. So uh, he was really talented. And, and of course, like Traylon Smith was good. Uh, he had some some other pieces here and there that uh, weren't too bad, but you just hadn't had any of those guys that have really been able to step up. And I say all that and start the podcast that way because I want to bring it up in this regard that Arkansas this upcoming season has so much depth at the running back position that I think that this is there's a chance, a chance that this running back room, assuming everybody stays healthy, could be the best group of running backs Arkansas has had at least since Jonathan Williams and Alex Collins, but could even be better than that as far as depth goes. I don't know if there's one guy on here like a Collins or Williams because those guys were NFL guys. I don't know that for a fact, but when I'm talking about just the, the quality of depth and everything, I think that there's a really good chance of it. And it all kind of got sparked because I saw that Dominique Johnson, a player that had been battling injury, uh, actually got injured in the uh, uh, Outback Bowl back in January. He's been battling back from injury, and just yesterday, he was able to go out into the practice field wearing a green no-contact jersey. Slowly but surely coming around, the coaching staff is hopeful that he'll be ready for game one, but you know that's something that they're going to have to ease him into. But Rocket Sanders, of course, is a guy that everyone's excited about and has a lot of upside. The coach has been excited about him. In fact, everybody, whatever they've seen from him in practice, has said, this is our first running back. He's going to get the most carries and the most production, and everybody's on board with that because they've been able to see what he can do. So between him and then throw in A.J. Green, who as a freshman last year had some moments, uh, didn't get to play as much, but certainly had some moments, especially like against uh, Texas A&M when he had that play where the I don't still don't remember what the A&M player was doing. It looked like he shoved him into the end zone. Uh, but uh, he had that play. It's probably his most uh, famous play. He also had a play against Texas where he ran for a long touchdown during garbage time. So there's been a few of those types of plays. But those are kind of the big three between Dominic Johnson, Rocket Sanders, and A.J. Green. Uh, Rashad Dubian, Dubian. Dubinian, I think is how you say his name. We'll go with that. I know that uh, Sam Pittman's been high on him, uh, the running back out of Georgia. He's a true freshman, so I uh, don't know how much he's going to play. And then James Joyner's another true freshman. But that, that's essentially your running back group. And I like just knowing what we saw last year, Dominic Johnson, I think, is my favorite running back of the group. Because when he's healthy, the dude's like 247 pounds. He's a bruiser. He's like six foot three or not six to three throughout six foot two probably um so he, he's a he's a big running back who has speed doesn't go down on first contact had a lot of cool broken tackles last year is able to uh you know not, not saying he's going to outrun the entire defensive backfield but he's definitely got some speed he hits the uh, hole hard i really like him as a running back and when he got hurt that was that was pretty disappointing and the fact that he's still coming back i'm i'm grateful that he's able to start not recovering, start going to practice. But I just wish that he was a 100% full go by the time the season starts because it just seems like whenever he gets the ball, he came on late last year too. Whenever he gets the ball, uh, you know some good things are happening. And, and even with Rocket Sanders, I think after another year, because you're talking about Rocket Sanders was a true freshman last year, and he had some really big plays for Arkansas. He was originally a wide receiver in high school, came on as a running back, and now he's been able to really separate himself and showing just how good at the running back position he is. In fact, I, I was surprised to see this one because I was looking at the depth chart. Rocket Sanders is actually 6'2". He's actually listed as being taller than Dominic Johnson. 
which maybe I'm crazy. Maybe y'all saw it. I thought that it was kind of the opposite when I saw him on the field. I thought that Dominic Johnson was much taller than Rocket, but Rocket is listed at 6'2". Uh, he's 220 pounds. He's got electric speed. He's also kind of, he's almost like built like a bowling ball a little bit. He's got a lot of upside and a lot of speed there too. And then A.J. Green is a uh, is a speedster. Uh, he's he's sitting there at 200 pounds. He's out of Tulsa. But uh, he's a true fre- or was a true freshman last year. He's going to be a sophomore this year. And uh, he, he's a guy that once he gets out in the open field, there's not going to be many people that can catch him. So you just have a really good running back core. And I think that in this type of offense that Kendall Bryles wants to run with Arkansas, those are the types of running backs you have to have. Not just, uh, you know, five guys that we'll just see how it works, but you're talking about dudes that are big, that are physical, that have speed behind them, and that hit the holes hard, and that they're able to, uh, you know, get that extra bit of yardage when as soon as they go through the line of scrimmage. I think that Arkansas has that, and it's it's gotten to the point, you know, I think it was yesterday, or maybe it was last week, I can't remember, but we talked about on the podcast about certain people or certain positions or certain groups, whatever, that don't get talked about a whole lot for whatever reason. Running back's one of those positions I feel like doesn't get talked about because everyone's like, oh, it's going to be great. And that's a good thing. Like, obviously, you have confidence in it because you have confidence in the in the group of running backs that you have. But this is what Arkansas should have. Arkansas should always have great running backs. They should always have guys that are electric, that are fast, that are strong, that are physical, because that's what their history has shown. Like, historically, they have had guys like that. Even the year where Alex Collins, Jonathan Williams, and uh, Corliss Marshall, which I still think, again, Corliss Marshall would have just stayed on the team. I mean, that that group was so good. Corliss Marshall could score anywhere on the field. We know Alex Collins is a guy that one of very few SEC running backs had 1,000 yards in each of his first three seasons. Uh, Jonathan Williams, I know that he got injured, I guess it was in 2015. Uh, he was out for the season, but he was a really great running back uh, that had a lot of upside, too. That, that was a great core, but you, then you had, again, Corals couldn't stay on the team. Jonathan Williams couldn't stay healthy. And then Alex Collins was basically the only guy there left. And you go back to, of course, McFadden, Hill, and Jones days. Nobody's going to touch those uh, types of days. But even before that, you still had some really good running backs. Think about like Cedric Cobbs and Fred Towie, you know, guys like that uh, that were able to, uh, to even to Corey Birmingham when he moved to the running back position. That was really good. Oh, and I, I can't forget like Nile Davis. How about him? Nile Davis and Ronnie Wingo. Uh, which I know Ron Nile Davis got the majority of the carries there, but you still had Ronnie Wingo was perfectly capable of uh, doing some things. Broderick Green, you know, you, so you've had great and really good, at least at times, running back cores. And I think this is going to be another year where you're going to have really good ones. Like, I don't know what to expect. I don't think you're going to have a thousand yard rusher because just the way that the offense is built and the, the way that the, the carries are going to be, uh, you know, dis, uh, distributed. I just don't see a guy getting the majority of the carries for a thousand yards. I mean, I'd love that. That'd be awesome because that would mean that one of these running backs is just killing it. Um, but you have a lot of capable running backs. And with that, and then, you know, it's funny, we don't talk about him as a running back, but rushing yards will be a factor. KJ Jefferson led the team in rushing last year. So your rushing game in general this season, folks, it has potential to be one of the best you've had. I'm not saying it's going to be better than McFadden, Jones, and Hills. It's not going to be. Like, that was the best. I don't, I'm not trying to compare it to that. But this group could be one of the best. You know, when five to ten years down the road, when you look back on the 2022 season, you know, you could look back and say, man, look at you remember that rushing game we had? Like, nobody could stop us with that offensive line in front of us. Like, they didn't know if KJ was going to get it or Rocket was going to get it or Dominic was going to get it. Uh, we won games that way. That's how we beat Alabama in 2022 was – 
just running the ball down their throat. Like it, you could have a situation like that 10 years from now when you look back on this group, because I think they're that good. I think they're that talented. I think you have that many pieces that could be put together. I think Sam Pittman's done a great job of recruiting uh, a lot of these running backs and that offensive line, as we know, is going to be pivotal when it comes to the success that they could or could not have. Like whatever it comes down to is going to be about that offensive line in front of them. But as we said, as long as Sam Pittman's your head coach, you're going to have a great offensive line. That's just the way it's going to be. But I'm excited about these running backs. I really am. I think that, and all of them are young. That's another great thing too. Like Dominic Johnson is the older player and you know he's entering into his third year. So he's a redshirt sophomore, I guess, is what he is uh, going to end up being. Um, I, I, it's hard to even say if whether or not people do red shirts or not. So, uh, but no, he's going to be a junior. Okay, so he didn't redshirt. So third year player, you got a, uh, your third year player, Dominic Johnson. You got two true sophomores, Rocket Sanders and AJ Green, young players, quality players, good players that will be able to bring you uh, and really help out the passing game too. And I think there's a lot of excitement surrounding the running back group, and rightfully so. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your sports betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Bet on, head to betonline.net today and use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at betonline.net, where the game starts. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so we know that the, the excitement surrounding uh, fall camp is definitely upon us. And, uh, you know, the my own people that have uh, been listening to the podcast and reached out about certain things that, you know, they want us to talk about the podcast and everything. Like, I don't – I'm not going to sit here and say that I go through and I'm like, well, whatever anybody ever suggests on the podcast is something that I will always talk about. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not something that I, I just do. But I, I will say, though, that – I do look at all the suggestions that you make, whether you do them in a very nice way or a very mean way, mean way. <clears throat> which by the way, yesterday we had some problems with our sound. I apologize about that. And everyone's like, you should listen to your podcast before you put it up. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. When I put it up, there's not really anything I can do about it except try to edit it as best as I can. So I try, but it just doesn't able to happen yesterday, but thank you for pointing it out. I'll try to make sure that this one's better, but I, I will say that going back to this, I thought, uh, this is actually a question I've gotten asked a few times, and that's why I wanted to address it, because I'm like, okay, so obviously people want to hear about this, or at least my opinion on it. Uh, and this actually comes from Tyler on Twitter. He says, uh, could you do a segment on the podcast about the Hogs' possible permanent opponents once Texas know you get in? Love the show. Forgot to add that in my last message. Well, it's okay. I figured that if you're asking me to do it in the podcast, I will hope and assume that you actually like the podcast instead of just asking me, and you'll never be able to hear me talk about it. So anyways, um, that's something that's kind of a fun thing to do and fun thing to talk about. And I don't know what sparked this. Cause again, I got asked about this a few times uh, on my radio show as well as on my podcast. So I was like, okay, well I'll, I'll bite. We've talked about it before, but um, you know, the more I've thought about it, it, it comes down to this when it comes to the pod teams, the three, five system that they're going to put into place. Uh, I'm going to bring it up in the way of like, listen, I think Arkansas, honestly, honestly, like looking at it in reality, let me, let me, let me, before I get into that, let me look at it this way. 
The SEC, even though they try to screw Arkansas at every turn, as we know, the SEC is going to make sure that whatever system, pot system they put into place, it's going to be as balanced as they can make it. Not everything's going to be perfect, but they're going to try to make it balanced. And when I mean balanced, they're not going to put A&M, Texas, OU, and Arkansas in the same pot. That's just not happening because the SEC will not view that as balanced. You got a top tier and you got a lower tier. Those are the only tiers, and, and, and football is the only thing that matters. So forget all the other sports. Football is what matters when it comes to these things. You got two tiers. You got the upper tier and the lower tier. Razorback fans, I'm sorry. It's the lower tier for Arkansas. That's how the SEC views it. I'm not saying you are lower tier. I'm just saying that's how the SEC views you. They view you as a lower tier team. And so what the SEC is going to try to do, because it's going to be balanced in a way, is you're going to have 16 teams. They're going to try to take two upper tiers and mix them with two lower tiers in each pod. That's what they're going to do. And so, basing it on that, my belief is, is that you are going to have, Missouri's going to be in your pod. That's going to be the other lower tier team that they're going to throw in there. Missouri's going to be in your pod. It sucks, I know, but somebody's got to have Missouri and you're the one. So, Missouri's going to be in your pod. And I also believe that they will put Oklahoma in your pod. Because you have the, the the geography part of it. There's a lot of things that make sense about it. And they're also an upper tier. So you need one more upper tier to be put in there. And I think it's going to be Texas. I think they're going to put Texas in there. So you're going to have Texas and Oklahoma, Arkansas and Missouri in there. Because that's going to give two upper tiers. Because Texas is an upper tier. And they're going to have two lower tiers for that. And it's going to be like that. Or they're going to, again, they're going to try to make it that way across all of the SEC. So that would be like. AM and LSU are going to be in the same pod. Like that's what's going to happen. Those are two upper tier programs in the SEC's eyes. Mississippi State and Ole Miss are lower tier programs in the SEC eyes. So I think it's going to be AM to LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Boom, boom. Upper tier, lower tier. Uh, if you keep going, at, like, you know, you think about Alabama, Alabama and Auburn will be in the same pod, seeing the same deal. Those are viewed upon as upper tier programs. So they'll put who else with them? I think they put Tennessee and I think they put Vanderbilt. Those are two lower tier programs in the SEC. Boom, boom. There you go. And then you keep moving on. Kentucky's got to be with South Carolina. Those are two lower tier programs. Well, who are they going to be with? I think Georgia and Florida. I think that they're going to put those teams together because you have Georgia and Florida, two upper tier programs, South Carolina, Kentucky, two lower tier programs. And there you go. So if, if you're asking me my opinion on where Arkansas is going to be, I think it's going to be Missouri, Texas, and Oklahoma. And I love that. Like, honestly, I think that will be awesome because you get to reignite the historic rivalry with Texas. You get to have a program like Oklahoma that you haven't played much at all in your history. And it's the closest campus to Fayetteville so it's like three and a half hours I think roughly from Fayetteville to go to Norman so you can travel back and forth have some really uh you know easy paths to to make that happen and then Missouri is a program that you should beat more often than not and I think that that's great I think that that's a perfect setup so there you have it that's how I would set it up that's how I would make it work I'm not saying that that's what it for sure they're going to be but it just makes sense to me because logically I know that the SEC Definitely wants to balance it and make sure that they do as or have as little complaints as possible uh, to make that happen as well. So, but either way, we'll close up shop and uh, get you out of here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast coming up next. Stay with us. 
You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Um, I, uh, I saw the news today that sounded like the start of a song, but I saw the news today of uh, Nick Saban. And no, he's not retiring as much as I would love that. Uh, but Nick Saban is once again the highest paid football coach in college football because you can't have him not being the highest paid football coach in college football. As he, Alabama approved a deal today, God bless, eight years, $93.6 million deal through 2030, which makes his average salary be $11.7 million per year. Now, that's a ton of money for a college football coach. And the fact that it's been done through that long period of time until 2030, I think Nick Saban's going to be 79 when that ends up happening. People are like, oh, well, he's not going to make it that long. Don't even joke because if there's somebody that could do it or would want to do it, it would be Nick Saban. But I, I see that number of $11.7 million. And so many people are just like, oh, my goodness gracious. It's insane how much football coaches make this time. of like, It's just unbelievable. It's insane. Well, here's my thing about Nick Saban making $11.7 million. I still think he's way underpaid. Way underpaid. Now, there are some coaches that are overpaid. Like, I still think the Mel Tucker deal was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It could pan out. It could. But it ain't enough. Not a good sample size of him to, just, I mean, for one year? Get out of here. I don't buy that. And, I, you know, I thought Jim Harbaugh, when he came into Michigan, was overpaid. Well overpaid. I think he's gotten better, but for the majority part, he was well overpaid. Uh, so there's a few of them that have happened. I think Jimbo Fisher's overpaid for sure. Jimbo Fisher's overpaid. But again, that's just the market, and I'm, I can't hate on the coaches for signing those deals. I would sign those deals too if someone's willing to pay me for it. But Nick Saban making $11.7 million, I've always argued that he needs to make 15 because he's worth it. Think about the amount of money that Alabama brings in each and every year. Think about how much money the SEC brings in from Alabama each and every year. Think about all of that. $15 million is a drop in the pan. Like this dude makes so much money and I don't hate him for it. Like I don't hate Nick Saban. I actually respect the crap out of Nick Saban uh, for what he has done for college football and how good he's been and consistent he's been. He's not annoying in any way. He hasn't done it in an annoying way. He's just gone out and coached football and I'm jealous of it in a way. Like, I wish I, I wish my program was able to be that level. But the fact is, is he's making that much money is not, again, any sort of like detriment or any bad thing. I don't blame him at all. And I think he should always be the highest paid coach because he's going to win another national championship again this year. It's going to happen. And um, and he's just going to you know go to the next year. And then he's going to be like, well, this national championship team we had last year was a rebuilding year. So we're going to have to. You know, hopefully, hopefully get some guys in here that'll help us out and uh, maybe win another national championship by more points than what we did this past year. You know, it's going to be something stupid like that. But he's not going. I just wish he would go away personally, because if he goes away, that opens up college football completely. Like right now, it's always it's a 50 50 shot of Alabama or the field. That's what it is every single year in college football. It's Alabama or the field. There's no alternative. But if Nick Saban goes away, Alabama takes significant steps back. They're not going to be the dominating powerhouse that they've been under Nick Saban at all. It's not going to happen. And so that opens it up to where suddenly it's not a 50-50 game. It could be more like a, uh, you see, I'm just throwing it out there, but it could be more like a 
12 and a half, 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 12 and a half in a field. Like, you know, it could be a, a lot more teams that probably have better chances of winning the national championship, you know, like, you know, out there like Georgia's and Ohio State's and, um, you know, Clemson's teams like that, that would have better chances of doing it, but at least it's more spread out evenly. And there could be some other teams that jump up there into the mix to possibly get into it too. So uh, he's getting paid. Can't hate on him for it, but still one of these days, I hope that when the breaking news about Nick Saban comes out, it means that he has retired and he's going away. So we can actually have some sort of parody in college football because it's ridiculous. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.